Ecclesiastes chapter 7 tonight, the strength of wisdom. The strength of wisdom. Look at verse 19, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Wisdom strengtheneth the wise more than ten mighty men which are in a city. At it again. Wisdom strengtheneth. The strength of wisdom is what we're going to preach about tonight. It strengtheneth the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. One of the Hebrew words that is used for wisdom occurs more than 300 times in the Old Testament. And what it means is skillful. For example, it's used to speak of the high priest's tailor in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 3, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, or those to whom I have given great skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And if you've ever taken the time to read the details of the priestly garment. Um, it's really quite an amazing uh, piece of, of uh, work. And uh, God said, I have given skill. I've given them a spirit of wisdom. I've given them the skill to do that. It was also used to speak of the tabernacles engravers. In Exodus chapter 35, and verse 35, Them hath he filled with the wisdom of heart, the ability, uh, the skillfulness, to work all manner of work, of the engraver, and of the cunning workman, and of the embroiderer, in blue, and in purple, in scarlet, and in fine linen, of the weaver, even of them, that do any work, and of those that devise cunning work. Again, a number of years ago, we, we did a study on the tabernacle. And uh, what an amazing uh, thing that was. You, you had the, uh, the holy place, and then you had this, this curtain that separated the, the holy place uh, from the Holy of Holies. And of course, only the high priest could go beyond that curtain in the Holy of Holies. You had the, the Ark of the Covenant and, and you had the lampstand, or excuse me, you had the, uh, the, the cherubims and all of that. And they were graven in gold and, and uh, there was great significance to, uh, to the curtain that, that did that. And God said, I gave those people the skill, the ability to do that. Solomon used the same word 
when he spoke of the skillfulness of, of the ants, and the rabbits, and the locusts, and the spiders. In Proverbs chapter 30, he said in Proverbs 30 and verse, excuse me, verse 24, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. Again, the Hebrew word there meaning they are exceeding skillful. If you've ever watched an ant work, you've ever uh, seen the, maybe those, those aquarium type things, ant farms or whatever they call them, it's amazing what goes on under, under all of that dirt. As a kid, I did my best to, to blow those things up so I could see, uh, but it never happened. I killed a lot of ants that jump on a firecracker and then light it, but never got down deep. Anyway, though they were terribly misguided, follow me now, there were, there were people in the Old Testament um, who were idol makers. They would make wooden idols or or idols made of, of metal that people would bow down to. Isaiah 40 and verse 20, He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning, there's the word, a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. And then finally, those who were skilled at navigating the sea were known to be wise in the same way as others I've mentioned. Ezekiel 27, 8, the inhabitants of Zidon and Arvad were thy, mariner, thy mariners, thy wise men, thy skillful men, O Tyrus, that were in thee were thy pilots. Solomon mentions the strength or the power of wisdom in verse 19. Now here's the connection between all the verses I just read and verse 19 of our text. Godly wisdom empowers us to live skillfully in this present world, allowing us to deal with four things that are mentioned in the following verses. We can, we can deal with these things because we have God's wisdom available to us. And God's wisdom is what allows us to deal correctly and biblically and skillfully, for example, with our own humanity. Look at verse 20. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, we can deal with our own humanity because God gives us wisdom to do that. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now you would surely all agree with me tonight that we are all sinners. Now we may be sinners saved by grace, but we are sinners nonetheless. Uh, be turning to Job chapter 15. Uh, the book of Kings, 1 Kings says this, For there is no man that sinneth not, 
And that's exactly right. Look at Job chapter 15 tonight. Verses 14, 15, and 16. Job asked this question, What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. Again, we're talking about our own humanity. Proverbs 20 and verse 9 asks this question. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin? The answer to that is no one. No one. Dealing with our humanity, listen to me, when we talk about dealing with our humanity, does not mean that we use it as an excuse for sinful behavior. There is no excuse for sinful behavior. When I talk about us dealing with our humanity, and I think what Solomon is talking about here, what wisdom does for us, what wisdom grants us the skill to do, is to be constantly aware of our weaknesses and our propensity to sin and to live cautiously, ever watching for the wicked one who hurls his fiery darts at us. We're going to talk about Satan Sunday morning. And uh, Paul tells us this, that we should not be ignorant of his devices, of his lures, of, of his tools, of his schemes, of his plans. Paul says, don't be ignorant. And I'm thankful that God gives us his word. And in his word, he, I mean, he pulls the curtain back on the devil. And in many, many situations, uh, teaches us uh, about how the devil attacks, how he attacks the, the Lord. He taxes, attacks us uh, either in the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. Every temptation that you face today would fall into one of those three categories. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. And so what wisdom does, and if you've been with us on Sunday nights and, and, and you've been listening to Pastor Tyler's teaching through the book of Proverbs, he has taught us much about wisdom. And wisdom... Uh, Solomon says, gives us the strength and the skill to come to grips with our own humanity, which again says this, I'm a sinner and I have a strong propensity towards sin and a weakness when it comes to temptation, and so I need to dig into the Word and let wisdom teach me how to deal with who I am. All right, look at verse 21. Solomon says that wisdom helps us to skillfully 
deal with our enemy. Also, take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. I think Solomon here is speaking of the words that are spoken about us sometimes by those who are the closest to us. We are not to give ear to the gossip of the day. Somebody say amen. If you work in a place and you don't work by yourself, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's plenty of it. And we are not to give ear to the gossip of the day. Leaders are naturally vulnerable to gossip. And that would certainly include pastors. Martin Luther said this. I, I, I like this. He said the defects of a preacher are soon spied. Let him be endowed with ten virtues and have but one fault, and that one fault will eclipse and darken all of his virtues and gifts. So evil is the world in these times. Now, I'm not, I didn't read that to you so you would have sympathy for the preacher. I'm just telling you, anybody who lives their life in public he can, he, can, he can have ten awesome things about him and one really bad thing or halfway bad thing, and it's that bad thing that's going to get pointed out. If you're a supervisor at work, you may be a great supervisor, but you may have one area that you're not all that great in, and that will be the one thing that people will magnify. That's just the world we live in. Reading that brought me back to a, uh, believe it or not, a point in time in, in during my tenure here um, that I was told I needed to just pack it up and leave. They said, I just needed to move on. Obviously, I didn't pay attention. But it happens. He thought I'd worn out my welcome here, and I'm still here, and they're not. So I remember uh, Pastor Landis when he came here. A lady looked at him, and she said, I was, I was here when the last pastor came, and I was here when he left, and I'll be here when you leave. She wasn't, but that was her boast. I love this. Winston Churchill was attending an official ceremony in London, and two men behind him recognized him, and they began to whisper behind his back. One man said, they say Churchill's quite senile now. The other said, yes, they say he's doing England more harm than good. The first man continued, they say he should step aside and leave the running of the government to younger, more dynamic people. At that point, Mr. Churchill turned around and in a loud voice said, they also say he's quite deaf. <laughs> Be careful what you say. 
Obviously, he wasn't deaf. But here's the point. In a sense, we should be deaf when it comes to what is spoken dishonestly about us by our enemies. I like what one man said. <laughs> this is so true. That I never worry about what I never worry about people who say evil things about me because I know a lot more stuff about me than they do, and it's worse than what they're saying. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. That's good. Look at verse 22, chapter 7. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise has cursed others. In other words, don't be too hard on the gossip because more than likely we've been there and we've done that ourselves. Amen. Look at verse 23. Wisdom gives us the skill to deal with our perplexity. And all of us have wrestled with this. Look at verse 23. All this have I proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? I applied mine heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. Here's what I think Solomon is teaching us tonight. Godly wisdom gives us the skillfulness to live with what we don't understand. And who among us tonight has not been there? And perhaps some are there right now. Preach, I just don't get it. I, I just don't understand. I've, I've looked at it from every conceivable angle. I've, I've taken every conceivable approach. I've, I've looked at it every which way, and I just don't get it. I don't understand why this is the way it is. And, and again, we've all been there. But did you catch what Solomon said? He said he applied his heart, or he exercised his mind to try and find out, and here's what he said, the reason of things. The reason of things. But he couldn't figure it out. The truth is, those things which are, are far off, as he put it there in uh, verse 24, and those things that are exceeding deep here's the truth tonight church they may remain that way for the duration of our time on this earth in other words there there are going to be some things we're just not going to get we're just not going to be able to grasp we're not going to be able to to wrap our minds around You say, well, well, preacher, how does that tie into this whole skillfulness thing? What the skillfulness of godly wisdom does is help us release such things 
into the hands of God, lest our obsession with finding out ruin us. And that can happen. Our obsession with having to know why has driven many a heart into deep, deep bitterness and resentment and anger and questioning God and doubting God's goodness and God's love and, and God's mercy. You, you've heard it said that we may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Church, listen, that's, that's, more, that's more than euphemism designed to, to quiet the quest of a curious mind. Listen to me, that is deep Bible truth. That's not just a, a quaint saying. It's not just something cute that preachers say. Well, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Amen. No, that's truth. That's Bible truth. And I'm thankful for that. Listen, I don't know what my next step holds. I don't know what my next breath holds. I don't know what my next minute or hour holds. But I know who's in charge of all of that. And I'm thankful. We know that God's plan is good. We know that, that His purpose is, is clear. It's, it's to conform us into the image of his dear son Romans 8:29 uh, verse 28 says we know that all things work together for good to them who love God to those who are, are the called according to his purpose but then in verse 29 he tells us that all of those things come into our life to conform us into the image of his dear son so again his his plan is good his purpose is clear but his program can be quite mysterious at times. Well, God, why are, why are you doing this? Wisdom gives us the power, listen, gives us the power to live our lives in the realm of the first two and leave the third to God. We would be much wiser to live in God's plan and purpose for our lives and leave the program up to Him. What He wants to do with all of this that's going on in my life right now, I'm going to leave that to Him. Because His, his, his plan is, is good, His purpose is righteous, and so I'll just leave the rest of it up to Him. And then look in, uh, in verse 26. I told you it's a, it's a race against time. So we're hurrying. But this is important. Solomon, I believe, teaches us that wisdom, and Pastor Tyler uh, touched on this very, very adequately and appropriately um, several Sunday nights ago, it helps us deal with immorality. Look at verse 26. And I find more bitter than death the woman 
whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. So here Solomon personifies immorality as an evil woman, literally a prostitute who uses her seductive powers to lure men and women into immoral relationships and sinful practices. And listen to me tonight, if ever, if ever there was a time in which we needed to be on guard against and do everything possible to skillfully avoid immorality, it is this time in which we are living. It is more available and more apparent and, and, and more rampant in our culture than ever before. Listen, the enticements to immorality are everywhere. Everywhere. And we must be careful. Even the best of men can fail, can fall, and have fallen prey to the, the seductiveness of sin. And I say men in the sense of mankind, not just males, females as well. And I thought about this and I don't think any mention of of this would be complete in 2020 without at least mentioning the ill effects that pornography has had and is having on our society. Just recently, somebody had mentioned the fact that over the course of the last several years, the Amen Conference, much has been said about pornography. And there's a reason for that. I'm going to show you some statistics that will, will help you understand, well, why are those preachers that come? Why do they keep preaching on pornography? I don't have an issue with pornography. Then, then, then you are, are of a rare breed. Let me, let me show you some, some. These are recent statistics. 12% of all internet websites are pornographic. 25% of all online search engine requests are related to sex. Look at that. That's about 68 million requests a day. 68 million requests a day. 
of internet downloads are pornographic. 40 million Americans. Wrap your mind around that. 40 million Americans are regular visitors. And that, that's in their own estimation. They would consider themselves regular visitors to porn sites. 70% of men aged 18 to 24 visit a porn site at least once a month. The average, this scares me. Mom and dad, you have kids with devices. This ought to petrify you. And it ought, it ought to challenge you to take charge of every device your children have. And I'll just say it, no kid ought to be allowed to have an iPhone, an iPad, an Android, any kind of device in their room by themselves, ever. Ever. There ought to be a basket in mom and dad's room, and at night they drop the phone in the basket, they drop the iPad in the basket, and they are not going to bed with that device. Because the average age of first exposure to internet porn is 11 years old. That gives my grandson two years. And that frightens me. I love my grandson, but he's a sinner. He's a sinner. And even though I may trust him, I don't trust the devil. Are there any parents of 11-year-olds here? Anybody 11 years old? Carla? Dwayne? The average age of first exposure to internet porn is 11. I don't want to be crude here, but back in the day, your dad or some other kid's dad would have to have a magazine, and he'd have to sneak it out of the house, and you'd have to go out in the shed and look at it. Huh? Now you just bring it up on your phone. Solomon says wisdom will give us the skill to avoid that kind of stuff. The largest consumer group of internet porn is men aged 35 to 49. And in case less you think this is just a man problem, one-third of all internet porn users are female. Folks, we have a problem. And I didn't even delve into the numbers that are produced by folks like Barna Research and others of the problem that is in churches. 
This doesn't just exist outside in the heathen world. This exists inside of churches just like this. And it's not getting any better. It's getting, it's getting worse. Go to Nehemiah chapter 13. Solomon knew whereof he spoke with regard to the subject of immorality. Let me show you. Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 26. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him... Even him who was beloved of God and, and made a king over Israel by God, nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. You know what wisdom will do? It'll help us to avoid that kind of thing. That's the strength of wisdom. Go to Proverbs chapter 2. I'm certainly not going to try and re-preach anything that Pastor Tyler has preached. I couldn't even come close uh, to doing it justice like he has. But just kind of a, a reminder. Um, if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 2 in the first 10 verses, uh, he talks about acquiring wisdom by listening to instruction, by asking for it and searching for it like buried treasure. Then, he said, when wisdom enters your heart, discretion will preserve you, and understanding will keep you. Look at it in verse 10 of, of, of Proverbs chapter 2. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of, of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of, of uprightness, who to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoiceth to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and, and they froward in their paths. So in other words, Solomon said, listen, once you obtain this wisdom, it's going to give you the skill, uh, or it's going to give you the discretion to be able to know, hey, this guy's not good for me. He doesn't need to be in my life, and this guy's not good for me. He doesn't need to be in my life, and this person will lead me down a wrong path, and it'll give us the skill to be able to avoid those things. But then he says in verse 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman. Even from the stranger with flattereth with her lips, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. 
Solomon, as we've already studied in the the previous chapters of, of Ecclesiastes, made his choices. We just read about it in, ne- in Nehemiah. He made his choices. And he paid the price. And God let him live to tell the tale. And church, what he's doing here tonight is, is saying this, don't live the life I live. Do better than me. Be better than me. And here's how you do it. You do it by getting wisdom. So here's his warning to us. Think. Don't get caught up in the greener grass myth. All that you need and all that can give you joy is on your side of the fence. Follow the wisdom from above. And God, give us wisdom. Please, to walk in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. May God grant us tonight that wisdom that is from above, which James says is first pure. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Say with me, I'm getting somewhere with this. Colossians 2.3, In whom, in Christ, in Jesus, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Here's why I share those verses with you. Because the wisdom we need tonight, church, is in Christ. And it flows from Christ. Therefore, we must be walking with Christ to enjoy its benefits. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say you're walking through this this huge technology facility. And you're being led around this facility by the the president. And as you make your way through, he he begins to point out all of the intriguing processes and principles and people involved in the the busy work of of that facility. And I've had the opportunity to to, uh, take tours through National B four or five times and... and, uh, uh, seaboard as well and we've always got somebody taking us through the plant who knows what's going on they know what this person is doing and what that person is doing and where this is going and how that machine works and it's fascinating but imagine taking a tour through one of those plants or some huge technology plant all by yourself and you just start looking around. You don't know. You don't have a clue what's going on. You don't have a clue about what this is doing or what that is doing or where that is going or, or what he's doing or what she's doing. And by the same token, here's my point tonight. We need the Lord to walk with us and we need to be walking with the Lord. Let me just wrap it up with this. In the closing verses of of this seventh chapter, Solomon laments the fact 
that it's difficult to find a truly wise person. As a matter of fact, he says this, you may find one in a thousand. The reason being, though in the beginning God created man, talking about Adam, upright, and, and we know that he did, he sinned. And now all men and women are sinners. And we are prone to go our own way thinking that we know what's best. And can I just give you a news flash tonight? We don't know what's best. God and his word knows what's best. And the truly wise individual knows that. They get that, they understand that, and they understand that they need the wisdom, the skill, the ability, the strength that can only come from God. But it's like me going home tonight, taking my iPad home. And it's going to be dead by the time I get there. But I still won the race. But not plugging it in. Listen, if we're not willing to walk with God, I mean, I need to plug my iPad in because I need the power. And we need to walk with God if we, if we want the wisdom and the strength and the skill to, to work through all of the things we talked about tonight. We have to walk with God. We better walk with Jesus because Paul said it's all in Jesus. So get plugged into Jesus in the morning. And stay plugged in all day. And he'll grant you the wisdom and the skill and the strength to avoid all of the pitfalls and the snares that Satan has laid just for you. Look, James teaches us the principle that we all have a weakness, and the devil knows what that is. You're a fisherman. You know that certain fish bite on certain lures, and you know what lure to use, and you know how to use it. And the devil knows what lure to use on Monty and Gary and Tammy and Bryce and Kelby and Tiffany and Katie. He knows what lure would work for Monty, won't work for Bryce. But he knows which ones will work. And he'll use them to his advantage.